Celebrating success, learning from legends, and growing poppies. This is Tall Poppy Talk with Grace Lewis. Kia ora and welcome to Tall Poppy Talk. Today we have Amy Stevens. Many, many things. First up, she is the founder of Slice, an educational end-to-end buyers platform that provides financial and legal support for first-time buyers. Amy's also the founder of Gravy, an app and NZTA-approved logbook to support drivers. Formerly, Amy studied law and economics, working in a law firm before moving into a financial advisor role at the foreign exchange. She spent years in the financial service industry, fine-tuning her skill set to include strategizing, analysis, property markets, client management, and a plethora more of niche industry insights, which propelled her into being a reliable credible source for Kiwis seeking education and empowerment. Ultimately, Amy's affinity for problem solving and her growing ambition drew her to fintech to develop solution-based platforms that would reduce barriers of entry into home ownership, debunk common misconceptions around accessibility and affordability, and Slice would do all of this and more, also increasing visibility of Māori in the entrepreneurial space. Amy is a businesswoman, podcaster, problem solver, and an overall entrepreneur, sharing her success with others. All these beautiful things we love to embody on Tall Poppy Talk. So, Amy, welcome. First question where and how are you today? Thank you, Grace. I'm in Auckland, New Zealand, and I'm doing really well after that intro. There are some very kind words said. Well, I'm glad that you can feel that because. As I was like researching you, I'm like, this woman is onto it, right? And so you did all the you did all the work. I just put it in one concise space. And of all of those things going on, I feel like what's kind of paramount and a big identity of you at the moment is slice. So can you please explain what it is, both as like, you know, the business model, but to you, what does slice mean to you? Slice is really just about reducing barriers to home ownership. So for me, I felt it was impossible to get on the ladder. Um, Growing up, I saw my mum struggle to get back on the ladder, but she eventually succeeded in doing so after my parents separated. So that was really formative for me. And ever since I kind of, I guess the way I look at property is sort of freedom and having that opportunity to I guess just feel stable in your life and and so I really kind of have a formative view of what that looks like and as a as a young person it was really important for me to get on the ladder so that I could have that financial independence so now it's become about giving that back and that's where we've developed Slice and the website is slicedbuy.com and it's basically a free platform to go and use, to go through the buying journey, to educate yourself and to actually, there's a lot of information out there, but actually this just breaks down every step you need to do to buy that property. And then when you need the support of a financial advisor or a lawyer, we connect you and you collaborate with them in your personal dashboard as well. So yeah, it's really just about reducing barriers to, to home ownership for Kiwis and helping as many people into ownership as soon as possible. Brilliant. Before we started recording, I mentioned to you that the idea of home ownership, my friends and I joke like, well, we'll just never own a house. And people have almost become resigned to that fact until we see more presence of people such as yourself online being like, no, there is a way. And I know that there's a lot of 
difficulty it feels like to even begin to understand the steps. So thank you as a personal thank you for having the service out here. But you you mentioned kind of what home home ownership means in terms of like flexibility and for yourself. When you have people who come to you, do you notice like a theme is for some people, is it an investment? It's a commitment, it's security. Do you notice a theme with first home buyers or is it a lot of different things? I think there's themes as, you know, New Zealanders and as Kiwis, we do see property as being not just a place to live, but as an investment. Yes, it's emotional and that you often want to live in the home and you want to have those experiences. So we talk about kind of with lots of different people in our socials and stuff, what does home mean to you? That's a bit of a campaign we talk about because it is really special to have, you know, dinners around the table, Christmas at home, and all of those experiences are, are real privileges that Kiwis seek seek out. But then there's the investment side, and, and that's just the way that our economy is set up is that actually – you don't have to pay capital gains um, until recently, and now that's been removed again uh, when you go to sell a house. So you're actually being encouraged to invest in property because of the way that the tax system is set up and, and the way that property has performed over, you know, historically in New Zealand. Yeah, of course. And you mentioned like, yeah, there was capital gains and now there's not. And with your background in particular, law and then the financial is there, I mean, obviously there's pressure you're in this role, but to keep up to date with what's happening in like government and policy movements, how much of your day or week do you spend just keeping up to date with the market and the trends politically? Yeah, I mean, I'm really interested in politics, so that's not too hard to keep up with because I kind of just find myself um you know, you can find yourself kind of checking in on things and listening to things because it's of interest. But there is a bit of a, a requirement in the role to keep up to date with certain things and certain policies across the board. Like you've got what the Reserve Bank's doing, what the banks are doing, what the government's doing. So there's a lot of different factors, but I studied economics. So that was always something that really interested me. So I'm sort of in, in my happy space. That said, sort of like as much time as you think, probably looking into it, like, a lot of what I'm trying to do is streamline the process and it's not about focusing on the noise. Yes, there's these different trends that come and go, but ultimately housing has outperformed inflation over a 10-year period. Like when people buy a house, they're also, as I said, buying it for an emotional purpose. It's about when you can get on the ladder and it's not really about timing the market. So as much as I do keep track of what's going on, I think like there's something to be said for don't worry too much about the noise. It's more about your personal circumstances and how you can make it happen. That can be applied to a lot of things probably, right? Don't focus in too much on the noise. And referring to my notes here, there was an article in Fashion Quarterly, which I quite enjoyed reading about you, and this was last year, and you discuss the importance of promoting your business as a Māori-owned woman. That was twofold, you mentioned, and I know I'm asking you to go back to when you were interviewed for that, but could you please speak to that and the importance for you? Yeah, so I think this is interesting to see if I can remember what I said, but you <laughs> said twofold, so I'm pretty sure I've got it. I think the first thing was it was it's a real journey for me to reconnect. 
um, because I was sort of, I mean, I'm my my dad's mouldy, my grandma's mouldy, like it's close enough. But at the same time, as I grew up, I just felt myself being more and more distant. So I remember being really young and my dad th- did things for Iwi and um, The Crown. So we were spending time around the eyes. But then as soon as I got a bit older, I just felt that disconnection. And I don't speak fluent mouldy or anything like that. And I don't look mouldy. So that reconnection is probably one part of it. And then two, part two is actually showing other people what it means to be mouldy. And that's not necessarily, you know, the color of your skin or being able to speak fluent mouldy, although I'd love to do that and I'm trying to learn bits and pieces, but it's more about, you know, you, you either are or you aren't and and it's your journey of self-discovery. So I want to share that, but also, I think if people see different representation, then they can get more comfortable with it, with their identity. Um, and then they can also see what might be achievable for them if they think, hey, there actually are a bunch of like Māori entrepreneurs doing this. So we do things like we've got a Māori home ownership webinar series and we're going to be doing a mini kind of podcast series. So really about kind of creating that space for Māori to get educated around home ownership as well but yeah I guess it's about my own journey and my own feeling of um, connection and then also about bringing others on that journey and if you can't see it you can't be it so we have to kind of you know highlight who we are and show our identity in in order to help others realize what might be achievable for them. Absolutely. And it's the same. I can imagine I'm not in the fintech space nor the financial space, but being a woman, absolutely like dominating, paving your way, you must feel pride and excitement of who else you're getting on that team as well. Because even though it's trending more that you have a lot more females representing high up in like financial industry and services, showing my own like bias, when I think of a banker, I think a man, right? Like those are the stereotypes in my brain. So it's what you're doing for a lot of people because you are that person that someone else is going to see and be. Is there someone who was like a, or some people who are a role model for you? Yeah, I think like at the beginning of my journey, it was very isolating. And as you said, like when you think of a banker, particularly foreign exchange. So I was basically on a floor with majority like 50 year old white male um there was some diversity there though and there's also nothing wrong with that that's just like you know a sign of the times um but I was very much I guess I felt on my own in it at that stage but as things have progressed even in the banks we're starting to see some of those changes coming through which is fantastic um in terms of mentors and things like that I think I've been really fortunate to be connected with some great people in the ecosystem. Someone that I really look up to, um, or a couple actually, are both coming to our International Women's Day event. Um, So Carmen Visalich and Marissa Fong. Well, Marissa actually used to advise me on an internal kind of entrepreneurship at ASB in 2018, so some time back. And she built uh, medicine recruitment and sold that for $36 million, uh, in New Zealand. And she also grew up in state housing and then moved into property investment. So she's got all of the, you know, the cool things, the interesting stories and the diverse background and the, 
yeah, and she's just done incredibly well. So I think in terms of people that I can see and therefore believe that I can do it, she's definitely one of those people. But I would say that a lot of my experience has been actually working with men as well. And there's nothing wrong with that because a lot of them have had the experience. So another person would be John Raby, who was CFO of ASB. Uh, He sort of provided me counsel from time to time. And at the end of the day, he's also very like, before it was cool to necessarily take women through the ranks, he was very progressive. Like this was a little bit before maybe that, movement with women uh in the workforce and he was very open-minded to all of that but I think yeah there's also a lot of space and opportunity to work with the men that have had that experience that we as women just haven't because of the the times that they've they've had more experience in some of those high profile roles and they are actually really willing to give back so I also find working with men extremely useful they can be very giving and and very willing to support you on your journey which is amazing Absolutely. That's a great call out too, is you might find a connection or alignment with other women, but every, the tide lifts all boats, which hence is the tall poppy talk podcast is about like sharing lessons with one another, asking the questions of people you admire, instead of wondering like, well, how did Amy create an app that then the New Zealand Transport Association, like, instead of wondering and just looking from a distance, actually engaging with you and asking those questions and then therefore grows more poppies. Like that's what drives me in this whole purpose is having conversations with people like yourself who are high performers and sharing in that knowledge and wealth and hopefully inspiring someone else, even if it's not in your niche of FinTech, whatever their equal ambition is to be like, look at everything Amy's done. What are some, what are some tidbits of advice that maybe I could employ? Yeah, yeah. totally. Like what's applicable for me. And I think that um, thinking about that tall poppy thing, I guess it's important that yes, we want to write, like bring women up and we want to give them more opportunities and equal opportunities. But at the same time, you don't want to be cutting down tall male poppies I guess (laughs) like you want to be acknowledging that they have that experience and they have for whatever reason whether it's privilege or they just were in the right place at the time right time or they may have worked really hard against all odds to get into their role and to have their experience so I think we need to be careful to embrace um you know the white male as well and just acknowledge that actually there's some really talented guys out there Um, And we can learn from them, we can learn with them, and we can drive change together. Especially in uh, the social climate that we're in. And to your point, like things were even different in 2018 versus now. Such an important topic is sometimes we feel afraid of to say this or to say that, um, what can and we cannot say. So I appreciate just everything you said there about like calm that noise to reference what you said at the beginning and just focus on those I think it all comes down to relationships and communication. I'm a communication major uh, and leveraging those relationships you have and asking the right questions sort of thing, which brings me to my question uh, of the tall poppy talk, which we briefly touched on there, but just to kind of take it a step back, no right or wrong answer in your own words, what is tall poppy syndrome? And secondly, have you experienced it? Uh, so tall poppy syndrome is seeing other people doing well and 
probably must be some insecurity felt by the person that's um, that's experiencing that and watching that. Um, so then they look to discredit it or look to find a reason as to why that person has been able to achieve that um, instead of feeling happy for them and and you know being proud of them and providing them with positive feedback they seek to cut them down to make themselves feel better and have I had it yes first thought I'm having is in particular you're helping people with first home buy like buying and as I mentioned jokingly but serious of like I'm just never going to do that and if you look at people who are buying homes your mind sometimes jumps to how did they do that did their parents help them and suddenly you're just creating all these things in your brain so with you working with people trying to get their first home do you witness internal and external tall popping Yes, absolutely. That's um, been made abundantly clear, I think. And with the first home, yes, a lot of people do get help. So the narrative that I'm actually trying to shift there is that that's okay too. And that doesn't, again, take away from the fact that you still have to work hard. You still have to get your ducks in a row. It's still, even with help, is a challenging process. And also, Again, why do you want to be bitter about someone getting help? Again, feel happy for them, you know, try and find someone that you can buy with. I mean, a big part of our platform is co-ownership. And I get that it can be hard um, when your parents are unable to help you. But can you buy with a partner? Can you buy with friends? Like there are other opportunities out there. There's government grants. We've got like a few people um, through the platform that have gotten up to 200K from Kayanga Order. Um, we have other schemes that we work with, Ended Housing Foundation, ERA, and you own. So we will work with you, whatever your circumstances, and we'll help you find something right for you. And I think it's about identifying and being open to opportunities for you and not, you know, resenting others for their opportunities. Because if you have a parent that can help you, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong and there's nothing to be ashamed about. And I've spoken with a lot of people and they don't like to say that they've bought with their parents or they've had help. The majority have, and including myself. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, as I say. It's just you take the opportunities that are available to you. And if that's not available to you, I get that you can feel a little bit resentment and you can feel a little bit that's unfair. But there are other opportunities and there are other options in the way that you have to look at life as what are my opportunities. Uh, so I think that's that's really important and we've seen a lot of that and we we lean right into it and Hannah's been a bit uncomfortable with it at times because I've asked her to share things about her property journey and we get feedback on the social media like on TikTok and Instagram saying check your privilege and it's like why don't you just be happy for someone and acknowledge that we're sharing the truth of how you get into property rather than put content up that's not real and we're not saying anyone's getting help but that's not what we're trying to do we're not trying to make that milestone feel further away we're trying to say hey the majority of people are getting help so if you aren't getting help what are you going to do government scheme consider buying with friends start looking at your other opportunities so we're really trying to create transparency and that comes with a fair, fair amount of uh, cutting us down but yeah I guess it's just the nature and in New Zealand at times and I'm sure it happens across the, the globe as well. Thank you also for bringing up Hannah because I saw 
very recently on social media, she actually did a video about those like very aggressive, hurtful comments she receives. And that sucks firstly, like that that happens. But to your point, there's all this positive energy and the great stuff that she's contributing. And you mentioned, you just said, yes, you have experienced tall poppy. If you're comfortable, could you please speak to that and how like almost like a strategy or how you approach dealing with that on a personal note? Sure. I think early on in my career, I struggled more with that. And I have never referred to myself as an entrepreneur. I wouldn't even really say like, yeah, like I'm probably just now getting comfortable with being like, oh, we're a female-founded company. And again, that's more for other people to provide visibility as opposed to, or Māori-founded company, um, as opposed to for me. So I think like I've felt that to my core for longest time that, you know, and this was before there was like a lot of kind of micro entrepreneurs and online entrepreneurs and everything like that. And I guess I was like, oh, that's a really earned kind of um, title. And now everyone kind of calls themselves that, which is um, interesting. And and it just goes to show, yeah, there's nothing wrong with, with putting yourself out there in that way. But I think I have been impacted by that culture. I think in my one of my earlier jobs, I was told to dye my hair brown <laughs> um, by a female colleague. And I think that sort of thing is like, because I wouldn't be taken seriously, that sort of thing. And I think that's cutting you down and maybe a bit of envy there or, you know, I don't know where that kind of behavior comes from, but I'd say that feels a little bit tall poppy. So there's been bits and pieces like that throughout my career where it's like, someone's not really wanting to support you they'll pull the ladder up behind them but as time's gone on I've just gotten more I guess confident with who I am it's the only real thing that helps you get through that I think you get closer and closer to your own values you get closer and closer with how you communicate those as you say um, and what you share but I think there's still an element of me that probably is a bit um shrugs off positive feedback and and doesn't own it so it's still a work in progress but I think yeah I'm just now it it doesn't impact me the same and I just think if you know your intent is positive if you're communicating things that provide value if you're educating like when we're talking about how people are buying their homes that's really important you're lifting the value you're talking about financial um, capabilities and home ownership in a transparent way and if people you know resent that or get gutted about that I think it's just the them problem you just move forward and keep trying to give back and educate as much as you can so yeah in summary it doesn't impact me the same but on a personal level I'd say I probably don't I'm not comfortable with self-promotion still Okay, and that aligns with even at the beginning, like I said, you did all the things. I've just put it in an introductory summary and you're like, oh, that's feels good because it's it's you. You did all that work. You are entrepreneur, businesswoman, all these things. But that's really interesting that um, that's probably still what remains in terms of how tall poppy impacts you is that self-advocation or kind of self-awareness of how 
brilliant you are, you're still focusing in that whole dialogue. You're focusing on how you can help other people and who's going to be like impacted in a positive way by what you're doing. And thank you for sharing that because that's what we're here for is like opening up on things like that. And I have some more kind of specific questions related to like home ownership and what you're doing on that front. There's a lot of questions, but keeping it sort of in theme with this tall poppy is uncomfortableness kind of conversations people don't really know how to have, but they're aware of like that's tall poppy. We're all aware of it, but we don't always talk about it. And what is an approach someone could take? Like finances are an uncomfortable subject too, for a lot of people, even though it'd be great if we could talk openly. If someone is wanting to do co-ownership, how would you recommend they begin that conversation with whoever it may be? Yeah, I think a really good place to start is with our podcast, like the First Time Buyers podcast. And that's because we talk about actually how to have those conversations. And also you can then just share a link. (laughs) So it's a really low touch way to kind of start uh, a conversation is just to say, hey, I heard this cool, like, listen to this cool episode, take a listen. And then you can kind of go from there. And then our dashboard, um, which is free to use, takes you through some decision-making if you are looking at buying with other people. So you can start kind of discussing those different uh, factors, like would we both live in the home? How long would we own it for? It it asks you all of those things. And so, yeah, I think it's just broaching the, the subject with a podcast cast episode is is an easy way to start in the same way that um a challenge we do have is with relationship property so uh buying with a partner you yeah really do want to protect yourself and protect your relationship and a great way to do that is through a contracting known as a prenup and we have a lot of people not know how to bring that up so they ask different um episodes on different things and then they sort of take a listen to that and that's like a nice easy way to enter into the conversation but we do do um meetings with couples and meetings with co-owner groups too to talk them through um, and give them a really objective understanding of what it means to be purchasing together but yeah I think broaching those topics can be hard but it's for the betterment of your relationship and for the you know the betterment of your financial future to do so so it's also just a skill and like a muscle you have to push through it I'm not great at managing conflict but I'm getting better and better and so you know I'm, I'm the person that will lie in bed at night and be like say it say it say it say it say it because I need to like make myself say something if there's something that's upset me or whatever it might be I'm not like historically I would just avoid it not bring it up deeply uncomfortable with it and I'm getting much better like maybe there's only six or seven say it's and then I'll share what's on my mind so I'm I think just like anything, it's a skill you have to work at and you have to um, yeah, push push through the uncomfortable nature of financial conversations and know that it's it's yeah, it's gonna make you a stronger um, couple or a stronger friend or it's gonna strengthen your relationship with your parents. So yeah, it's important, but you've just and it's awkward, but you just gotta do it. You've got to do it. And my kind of feeling towards conflict is inevitably we think it's quite negative because the word's conflict. But conflict sometimes for me is like just bringing up things that really ought to be so that to your point later down the line, it's not a bigger actual conflict in regards to a prenup or a contract. 
going into a co-ownership, it's like, oh, I have to have this conflict and it's a bit awkward and I need to bring up these conversations now, but you're much better doing it now than in two years or three years time. And you haven't even broached the topic because suddenly assumptions are made that communication hasn't happened and it breaks down and the conflict's worse. Yeah, I honestly think it's one of the best things you can do for your relationship because you might not have those financial conversations to that detail or with the support um, in, in the way that you do a contracting out agreement. So I think, yeah, regardless of how you use it or what terms you come to, you're building that muscle in the best way possible and it's the best thing you can do for your relationship. Caveat that with my partner and I do have one, so that's coming from a place of, of having done that myself and with the fact yeah I mean we purchased together after three months so that's pretty um crazy I guess where a lot of people would think that but at the same time because we had all of those conversations and we you know worked out we could manage as you say positive conflict negative conflict we could have those tough conversations we were able to see that investment property um as an investment and not entirely emotional either at the time of our relationship though we are still together um but yeah we were able to do that with more confidence and also it strengthened our relationship as a, a positive kind of aside and on that if you don't mind tall poppy was present potentially there like you said some people might think that's a bit crazy to make an investment three months in is that do you recognize that as an experience of tall poppy where other people were weighing in on something that was just kind of between you and your partner? Yes, you're like a sniffer dog for tall poppy. <laughs> and you're like, I smell the tall poppy. Um, but yeah, that was. So I had definitely people be like, oh, you're just in the honeymoon stage. Oh, like X, Y, Z. And I'm like, okay, well, I wouldn't just buy a property with someone because I was in the honeymoon stage. Like I'm a pretty... Like I've got an experience in law and finance. Like I'm not personally going to do that. I'm pretty logical. Um, so it was actually much more an investment decision as opposed to a honeymoon decision. But again, it's people creating narratives that make them feel better about why you're doing it and why you're able to do it. And yeah, and it's tough, but you have to remember that normally that feedback is just noise. And also that noise is often it's their problem, not your problem, you know, like it's their insecurities and you can kind of empathize with that when you switch it on its head like that. So I guess that's another way that I manage is just trying to not take things so personally, which is harder than it sounds. Yeah, trying to empathize with other people and think actually this might be a, a you thing and not a me thing. Yes, and thank you. I take that as a compliment to be a, a snipper dog for the tall poppy. It's what I do. And I one more like proper question before I kind of have a silly sign off one but we talk a lot about and especially like on your podcast and all the great benefits of home ownership and you want to get into it and how to make that happen what are in your experience or wisdom are maybe bad reasons for wanting to buy a home uh because you want to stay together with your partner <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like that's a really relevant follow-on from what we're talking about in a relationship. It's like that age-old saying when you're like, oh, we're not doing so well, let's have a baby. Um, so I wouldn't do something like that unless um, 
you knew it was like a logical decision and not an emotional decision and you both just really wanted to buy a property and maybe you weren't planning to live in it and you had your agreements down like I actually still think that's an achievable and relevant thing to do um but yeah I think it's an interesting one because of course it's circumstantial um and each person has a different you know life that they want to live so some people and probably a minority but won't ever want to buy property because uh, they might not want to they might want to rent and move around that said I still think even if you're renting and move around, moving around it can be a sound investment to have a property that you don't necessarily live in so I don't I can't come up with that many good reasons and that's because who I am like I believe that property is such a positive um, opportunity to grow your wealth and so even if it's not an emotional thing for you, you don't necessarily seek that out. Uh, I still think there's value in, in that from an investment perspective. But again, to actually go back to the emotional, I think there's so much value in having your own space when you can paint the walls or you can do the gardening. You know that no one's going to kick you out. Like the emotional stability that comes with home ownership is massive too. And yes, it's different for different people's circumstances, but um, and we're, I'm about to do some socials shortly on how we've actually saved 10 grand over summer. So I just got back from Whangamata. This is, again, there's going to be a, a tall poppy element here somewhere. I'm going to get slandered by someone. But um, we we moved in with my partner's parents in Whangamata. Back to some of the time we were there, some of the time they were there, and we rented out our place in Auckland and saved 10 grand and we're going to use that 10 grand to go traveling. So even those who think that traveling and buying a house is not an option, once you do get a house, you can treat it as an asset. You can leverage that for different purposes. You can rent it out. You can, you know, do a lot with it. So I think it's always circumstantial and it might not be the right timing for you for whatever reason. But as a generalization, I think purchasing property can, um, yeah, it'd be a really positive thing for your financial and emotional well-being. Thank you for sharing that too, because that's another element, right? Is I was going to ask, like, if you do see it as an asset and an investment, is a property manager the way to go? If you want to be hands-off, would you recommend that route? Yeah, if you can afford it. Some of the fees can be a bit... Of, so I have a place in Raglan as well, and I manage that myself. So it just depends. There's an element of time, expense and things like that. If you have enough money, then a property manager is great. If not, you can kind of work it out and do it yourself. But yeah, I think once you're on the ladder, you can use that property for whatever purpose. You can still move overseas and rent that property out. You can move in with your parents for a month, save some money if you need to. Or obviously, again, that's a privilege, uh, but we're going to take the opportunities that are available to us because why wouldn't we? Uh, and yeah, it might be something different for you. It might be that you can Airbnb a room out um, once a week or you get flatmates in or whatever it might be and then they can help top up and pay that mortgage. So I think from an investment perspective, property is in New Zealand um, and historically has been a very sound option. So it really the only reason you wouldn't buy it is because circumstances which of course is important and financial advice is always meant to be based on your circumstances so that's the main thing but just depends on what you're looking for catch all caveat is it's contextual so everything we've said i recommend you go check out slice or slice to buy and uh actually get some 
context-based advice. Amy, is there anything before my sign-off question, is there anything I didn't ask that you think Grace probably should have asked that or um, kind of open floor for a moment? Uh, I'm actually just interested to hear from you, Grace, and what made you move into this tall poppy sniffer dog role? (laughs) Um, Thank you for asking. That's so funny. Um, So I came to the States for rowing. I got a scholarship, which was great and a privilege as we were discussing. And so I had such like a cultural shock, even though it was all English speaking and I knew American pop culture references and stuff. Uh, a lot of self-advocation takes place here, which is why I really touched on when uh, some of your hesitation to self-advocate is you actually miss out on opportunities if you, one, don't advocate for yourself, but instead of looking at someone who's successful, a tall poppy, as I call them, and making that connection and asking questions, if you just look at them and think like, oh, try to chop them down in your head, uh, you're actually missing out on an opportunity for yourself, but for others. And so that's one part of it. Second part is like, I hesitate on stuff often because of what someone else may or may not think. What a waste of my time is what I've come to realize from having conversations with people. So the reason I wanted to do the podcast is to try and spread that message of like, it's not a net zero sum game. We can actually all succeed. We can do better. And so I'm having conversations with tall poppies like yourself in fields that I'll never dive into. Like I'm not fintech driven, but I have a conversation with someone who is, and then I'll take something away and someone else will take something away. So to answer your question about being a sniffer dog on the subject, it's just wasted potential if we don't like kind of cut it out and, and, instead just encourage and embrace one another and to your point be happy for each other done yeah that's so cool and thank you so much for creating this space like I love that I love what you're doing and I think that's really interesting because I think a theme that came through was opportunities and looking for your opportunities and I guess tall poppies as you say is another it's an opportunity to actually learn from them work with them leverage them And yeah, I think Gen Z is doing a really good job at that, despite, you know, Hannah. So just for context, she's actually our content creator, Hannah Kumarkas, and she does some amazing content uh, online herself. But I guess the she does a really good job at leaning in and sharing uh, a lot about herself. And they all do in that Gen Z space. So maybe I'm a millennial. Maybe there's something we can learn from the Gen Zs around that, uh, you know, being a self-advocate and being confident to share that at the same time. I know she felt tall poppy around buying a home and sharing that piece of information. So it's definitely there when it comes to property. And I understand why, because it is something that we all want and something that many feel is out of reach, but it's not as out of reach as you might think. That is such a good conclusion, like a good concluding remark. So thank you. To go from great in-depth, logical, intelligent conversation My sign-off question, Amy, is so, like, frivolous and silly. But I ask everyone... I love it. (laughs) If you had to have just one meal for the rest of your life, so breakfast, lunch, and dinner, same thing, what's it going to be? Oh, my gosh, this is so embarrassing. (laughs) But if I don't say this and, like, a family member or something listens, they're going to be like, lies... (laughs) 
So I am a potato girl. Like, I don't know why, but I just love hot chips. I'll have potato any which way, mashed potato, hot chips, roast potatoes. I make some really great roast potatoes, but I just go like, I'd eat potatoes, just totally coming out my ears. Thank you. That's actually great. Uh, And potatoes are so diverse. I've had the amount of people who have said like chippies. I'm like, fair. Okay. You do it. Okay. Oh, (laughs) off that. Are you a coffee drinker? I'm actually not. Uh, Reason being, it would give me a bit of anxiety and then I'll start dwelling on the poppy cutters and what they're saying. (laughs) excellent answer I asked that because successful people I want to know like do I need to stop drinking coffee and it's kind of 50 50 so I'm just going to keep rolling with it um just do what works for you another yeah that is the theme of this um episode Amy thank you so much like this has just been a lot of fun and for those listening she's been extremely patient and flexible with me in my time zone so thank you for being on the podcast where can people find you in all the many platforms uh, if they want to know more. So on Instagram, we're at Slice to Buy. Our company is called Slice, but Slice to Buy, meaning when you are buying with others or when you're buying with a scheme, it's obviously much easier. And Slice to Buy.com, you can download the free dashboard. And then again, if you type in Slice uh, Property Podcast, we'll come up on Spotify, Apple and all the things. And you can always add me on LinkedIn as well if you want to reach out and um, connect, go for it. But yeah, thanks so much for having me, Grace. I really appreciate the space that you've created. Thank you so much for listening to Tall Poppy Talk. We'll see you next time. Feel free to check us out on socials, YouTube and the website. Thanks for today's guest and we'll see you all next time. Take care. Be kind.